the worst thing in life is if success is something that you can actually catch. If you realize you're about to catch the target, the healthiest thing you can do is set a new goal. Always be growing because the journey actually is the point. So for me, success is always growing. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to another show of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. Uh, I am your host, Nathan, with Undoor Properties. You can find me here every Monday. And today I'm super excited. We have a Navy veteran who spent a whole lot of time in nuclear steel tubes, a retirement income specialist, a real estate investor, an infinite banker. I don't know where this conversation is going to go, but I'm super excited to have with us today Gary Pinkerton. Gary, how are you? Welcome. Thanks, Nathan. It's a true pleasure. Uh, I love the title of your thing because if I'm on it, then somebody thinks I'm crushing it, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> well, from from what we were just talking about, it feels like you're crushing it in a lot of different areas and along a lot of different dimensions. So we'll want to touch on as many of those as possible while respecting your time, of course. Oh, of um, course. I, I love it, Nathan. I love giving back. I love sharing the, the ups and the downs, and there are plenty of downs. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I can't wait. Awesome. Well, let's kick this off. Uh, tell our audience who's Gary Pinkerton. What's your kind of what do you do in life? You know, I mentioned a yeah. few things that you've been doing or are still doing. Uh, where are you located? You know, what kind of uh, floats your boat? Tell us who Gary yeah, is. So I'm starting uh, 40 some years ago here in this story, but it won't take long. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, Jimmy Carter was president. And then as I was entering high school, Ronald Reagan takes over junior high. And uh, he and the Fed chair at the time, Paul Volcker, decided that they were going to do what is actually necessary with courage to get rid of the inflation that was around at the time. And we had the same stuff you see today, but worse. It was gas lines. It was stagflation where people's wages were going up nowhere near as fast as the cost of living. Uh, and so it was just it was challenging. It was especially in Southern Illinois, it was not a great place to be. And, and we were struggling to hold on to a farm. Interest rates got to 21% while they were breaking the back of that inflation, and we lost our farm. And so we're living in, uh, in a borrowed trailer on my uncle's land, and not the way you want to go through high school. And, and I was helping my dad by putting together small businesses and just whatever we could do to make a buck. Um, his health was failing. Uh, fast forwarding, I graduated high school, have an opportunity to kind of go off to college, which I didn't think was going to be there. And I chose the Naval Academy because it had two criteria that were important to me. Get as far away from Illinois as I could, get a, get a guaranteed paycheck. Um, and then the third one was I really wanted to um, prove to my dad that all of this hard work and losing you know, his farm and everything actually was worth it. Like his kids were going to college. So that was a big focus for me. Um, Naval Academy was the right price at the right time. And it turned out to be something that I, it was a perfect fit. You know, I, it was, I really appreciated patriotism. I love protecting what we have in this country, this experiment that started 250 years ago. And so as I was transitioning out of the military for many reasons, um, after leaving command of the USS Tucson, working on the Joint Chiefs staff for um, a few years, I uh, decided that what really I was passionate about was helping Americans, families, business owners, hold on to or develop agency in their lives 
and hold on to it. So the ability to make your own decisions, live life the way you want and prosper. So that's what I do now every day. And I try to be out in front of them on the path in the level of investments that are effective, um, showing them that, hey, I'm doing it. And I can give you um, seat of the pants knowledge about how to do it. Yeah, I'm curious while we're on the subject, what, so how do you do it, Gary? Fast forwarding to one of the questions at the end, you know, um, books that have really changed my life. And one of them is called um, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose. It's by my mentor and my, and uh, now my business partner at Paradigm Life. And I'll give her, the links will be in the show notes, of course, right? But but I'll give her a free copy of E and audio copy of that. In there, there's this Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs adapted for personal finance, and it's called Hierarchy of Wealth. And it talks about building, like we break it into four different layers and it, and it talks about building a strong foundational layer of savings and protection, protecting the family from bad things happening uh, and a, an efficient way to save money in a guaranteed high growth environment, right? And that's the infinite banking side of it. And so after I've done that and a large portion of my wealth is down there, then I go into directly controlled assets. So my own one to four family real estate, which I absolutely love, just like yourself, and then um, businesses, uh, and then investment in ourselves. You know, like a you know a doctor. I have I have a wonderful surgeon who's a dear friend and client of mine, and he asks me all the time, "Should I go buy more personally owned real estate and, and manage it?" I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, you're a very busy man, and the number one asset is hard at work making a lot of money for your family. So we're all different, um, but you know, there are elements of that directly owned stuff there, and then above that, indirect investments, and so there. You, you know, you've brought a little bit of risk in as you go up this hierarchy from the guaranteed safe part to investing in your own assets to now handing your money to somebody else to invest. That's playing at a higher level and you don't ever have to get there. I did get there a couple of years ago, probably five years ago, uh, but I did so because I was, my properties were taking away my time from my business and my passion and my family. And so I kind of, you know, moved on and, and moved up and kept building higher, but you don't have to. Wonderful. And I mean, obviously, you shared like you have a tremendously uh, interesting background and story there from, you know, losing a farm as a kid all the way to where you are today, right? With all of, you know, the giving yeah. back that you do. What's your, what would you say your favorite like success story is in, in this whole journey of yours that you like to share with folks? Yeah. Using setting the scene just really quickly with back to, I didn't really close the loop on, you know, the 70s and why that impacted me or the 80s. Um, so the lessons that I eventually took from there, and I didn't do this in my 20s, um, was that there are some really important things as I studied how to create and grow wealth around the globe. Um, and it's certainly after the correction of 2008, 9, 10, and I lost a large portion of my wealth because it was all in the markets, which is the very top of that hierarchy, highest risk position. I didn't know any better. I was just the W2 employee that was handing my money to somebody else to take care of for me. And I lost a lot of it. So I threw myself into studying how has wealth been created and held onto for generations across the globe. And it really comes down to, not to spoil it for everybody, but it comes down to uh, protecting it from the big stealers of wealth and putting it in hard assets. So if you own hard assets, whether it's gold or real estate or whatever, or businesses, um, even better if they cash flow, that is a huge first step. And then the protecting it from the two stealers of wealth. The, the primary stealer of wealth is taxes. So I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. I'm saying set up your life in a way in which you, you legally pay less than you would have otherwise. Uh, and you do good by providing services. And then the second stealer of wealth is our own family. It's future generations that don't know, we haven't taught them, right? And so I threw myself at teaching my kids. 
And that I think is a success. The one I was going to actually talk about relates back to the lessons I learned when we lost our, our home and, and lived in a trailer. And that is that um, we are the world now, back then, just the, just America and a few other countries, but now the entire world is on a fiat system. Meaning that we, it, we have stated that we want to devalue the currency slowly over time, hopefully at about 2% a year. Um, right now it's obviously much faster than that. Um, but if, if you're in a society like that, then you need to have hard assets. And if you can leverage those hard assets, put long-term fixed rate loans on here. My dear friend who's already been on this amazing podcast, Aaron Chapman, provides one of the most important services out there that people in other countries can't get, and that's a 30-year fixed mortgage. And so if you can lock in, if you can get a guarantee from the government that your rate's not going to change, and you can get them to fund 80% of a hard asset that you buy, and you can have a tenant pay off the mortgage for you and pay you cash flow for, to take care of the maintenance uh, expenses that come up. That stuff is magic. And so that's why, like you, I believe wholeheartedly in having one to four family properties that somebody else funds most of it, right? So I could have taken, when I realized I shouldn't have been in the markets in 2011 and I needed to change, I could have taken my money and bought a bunch of gold with it. Let's call it $200,000 of gold. Or I could have bought $200,000 of real estate and that's better because I get tax benefits and somebody pays me rent for it, right? It, it cash flows. But it's even better to take that 200,000 and buy a million dollars worth. Because now when those million dollars worth of assets go up in value, I'm not only protecting my family from, um, from inflation, I'm actually getting wealthy with inflation. So, you know, that to me, that's success story of when I, in 2022, after being frustrated for a decade on tenants and toilets and low cash flow, um, you know, pulled out all of my equity and and more, and I still have the assets, and they still cash flow. So that to me was the big success story. Actually, seeing running towards long term fixed rate debt and getting as much as I could when everybody else is running the other way, you know, that to me was very gratifying to see actually play out. Now that's an amazing amazing story there, Gary. And uh, maybe taking a bit of a tangent here, but you mentioned something about uh, you know the second stealer of wealth. I think you mentioned is your family essentially, right? Yeah. Um, yeah whether it be your kids because they're grown up and they don't understand yet, or maybe your kids when they're adults and don't have the same values or principles that you do. Um, and I don't know how many people I've talked to who honestly are okay with uh, acknowledging that, right? Or admitting that, yeah. right? Um, I'm curious, what do you, do you do anything different? How do you teach your kids, I guess, to, to get them to a place where they do not become the second thief yeah, so I am certainly not perfect at this. Uh, it's, a, it's a work in progress for sure. It's very humbling. You feel often when you're in the financial services industry, personal finance, that you're the cobbly, you're the um, quintessential cobbler whose kids have no shoes. Um, yeah, I work at it every day and, and every once in a while you see these rays of sunshine. So with that as my disclaimer, I've learned from people like a dear friend of mine, Kim Butler, um, from um, several asset protection and family office attorneys who have written books. One of my favorites is from uh, a guy, um, uh, let's see, what is the name of the book? Uh, ah, I'm blanking here. It's called Entrusted with an E, E-N Trusted, like the, the bridge trust. Um, great advice in there, but what it boils down to is there is no shortcut for spending time with your kids. And when you spend time with them, you have to make sure you teach these important financial lessons as well as life lessons and how to be good good citizens. Uh, but being a good steward of the family's money is super important. And so take, you know, if you're at uh, an orphanage or you're, uh, you're doing a community service or you're just you know, driving by the bank that you own, let's say, 
and, and, you know, have the conversation, you know, when your, your child says, so this, this actually did happen in my car a few years ago, my oldest uh, was in his young teens and uh, his, we're, we're going to hockey practice and his friend says, uh, oh, I know where we are. That's our bank over there. Right. And he didn't mean, he's like, that's what we do. Our banking is what he meant. Um, and my son says, oh, I have my own bank. And I was like, holy moly, they pay attention. Uh, he was, you know, he was talking about his life insurance policy that he puts his money into and then he borrows against it to do investments or buy things that he wants. And so he couldn't exactly explain everything to his son or his friend. Um, but, you know, I, I use that example because I was saying, like, what if your family owns a bank or something? And so take those opportunities to make sure that the kids understand why you work so hard, why you're not available at every soccer match. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, Th those are those moments when you have an opportunity to do it, but create vacations that are also family annual meetings or quarterly meetings. Uh, even better if it's one-on-one -on -one with you and the child, but if, if it's the, both parents and the kids or both parents and the grandparents and the kids. And what I've seen be successful there is make it three or four days in a place that the kids choose because they're bought into it, right? But then they understand that there's one day or one afternoon or one evening or whatever that is dedicated to talking about the stuff the mom and dad want to talk about. And I've seen that after a couple of episodes of that, they're so excited about the event that they also start leading a, a family charity or something and they pay attention and do the research, read the book that you want them to read, you know? Um, so that's kind of my, what I've seen be successful. Well, I'm going to have to steal that. I think my kids are still a bit too young. They're only five and three, but we'll get there and I'm going to have to steal it. Absolutely. Well, there's, you know, I have, I have great books back here on this bookshelf for, teaching the Federal Reserve in comic book forms to little kids. So um, th those tools are out there and um, I'd be happy to share any of them with anyone who wanted to reach out from the audience, you know, but uh, it's never too young, definitely never too young. Getting them to work in your business too is incredible, even if they're sweeping the floor. Oh, a hundred percent, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm curious to hear um, if, for, or most often it's yes, but what the definition of success is for you and how, if at all, but how has that changed over the years? Yeah, so the, the worst thing in life is if success is a, is a number or a retirement date or something that you can actually catch. I don't know if you've ever been to a dog track or if those are even politically acceptable nowadays, but there's a little rabbit and the rabbit's this motorized thing that runs around the inside and the dogs all chase it, right? Well, I don't know if you've ever experienced when the rabbit fails, when this track I used to go to, you fail all the time. And the dogs would like jump up and try to bite the metal thing. And, and then they just stand around and look at each other. Like they had no clue what to do at that point. Um, and so you don't ever want to catch the target. Um, and so it needs to be a moving target. And if you realize you're about to catch the target, the healthiest thing you can do is set a new one, right? And always be growing because the journey actually is the point. Um, the destination is the journey or the prize is the journey. However, that phrases said there. I'm not teaching anything new here, but I just wanted you know, be on record saying that I completely and personally believe that as well. And so for me, success is always growing because if you think about life or us as, as being a marble on top of a hill, and I probably am reusing somebody's analogy here too, but you're going to roll one direction and they're the, the ends of that journey, the bottom of the hill is really important to know what they are, right? And on one side, it's, it is growth and success. And the other side is death. Right. And so every day when we wake up, we're either stretching ourselves and growing and living and, and living a little bit uncomfortable or we're super comfortable preparing to die. You know, the old Heineken, I'm going to retire at 65 
and I'm going to drink Heineken's on the beach. I've been dreaming about this for 40 years because I hate my job and I didn't bother to change jobs. I'm just going to complain about it. And I get to 65 and I'm on the beach. And if I'm, you know, like that's where all the statistics come from. The police officer dies two years after, but he was this, you know, super strong guy that could chase down bad guys. Why'd that happen? Because he's been spending two years preparing to die. Like you have to keep growing. To me, that's what success is, is having a mindset that allow you to come over massive challenges and those will come and and overcome them, use them as growth experiences and move beyond it and be a better person on the other side. Yeah, I love it. Couldn't agree more. Um, and and even though people have, uh, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people, whether in the context of this podcast or otherwise, you know, for most people, their definition of success has changed, but it's rarely, at least have I heard, like that success is that journey right like you're talking about so yeah. and that's the exact same thing for me and i mean i in a sense in a sense i'm terrified to get to a point where i might have reached the destination and i'm doing air quotes here for the people who are only listening whatever that means i don't want to reach yeah. the destination what's next you know how do you get better how what what's the next big shiny thing right what's the next thing i could produce or give back or learn or whatever so yeah couldn't agree more yeah, we're, we're seeking goalposts, mile markers to tell us how we're doing. We're yeah. not seeking destination because the destination has a big gravestone on it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't want that one. Um, speaking of gravestones, uh, maybe the perfect segue here, but um, I hope it doesn't involve too many uh, gravestones here. But on the flip, flip side of this um, kind of success story, what does success mean for you? Do you have... Um, like an incredibly difficult like experience or time in your life that you don't mind sharing with our audience and kind of, you know, what that was, of course, and what you learned from it. Yeah. So I've had a few, uh, as a, you know, very recently, and, uh, I'm, I'm most proud at this exact moment of being able to rise above the emotions associated with a failed investment and having introduced some of my friends to this investment and it failed for them too. Uh, you know, that the ability to rise above that thing uh, and, and not get all caught up in it and, and be churning down rabbit holes don't serve me or anybody else. So I choose to look at challenges like that, financial and otherwise, as learning opportunities. And that's a really hard thing to do. Um, I'm most proud at this moment, not of all the money I just lost, but of the, um, of the way in which I've, I've been able so far to respond to it. So that would that would be one. And can I ask, because I think that'd be extremely valuable to people listening to this. Right. But um, and I don't I don't know if it's or how difficult or easy it would be to kind of convey or explain this. But what state of mind are you in, I guess? Or what are you mm -hmm. telling yourself or what are you doing so that seemingly from my perspective, just hearing this now for the first time, right, you go from one day I feel terrible to this to the next day I've accepted it. And maybe it's not overnight. That's not what I mean to imply. But there was a clear switch. Yeah, and, and so far I've avoided the negative side of it. Um, it it's, it's seconds we're talking about, not days, yeah. where I was really, really groveling in that. Uh, and and what I think your question was like, how did you how did you cause the change, or how did how were you? Yeah, able to, what, what I don't know if you were thinking something or yeah. doing things. Yeah. You know, how do we help people that experience similar, you know, let's say difficult times? Yeah, the perfect thing would be to well, you got to be occupied, right? Um, to, to not be thinking about it. And if you could be occupied in the service of somebody else, that would be amazing. So just jump up and go volunteer somewhere. But that is so much easier to say than do. I haven't successfully done that. Like the first moment I get the lesson, just go serve. I'd love to. 
and I'm, I'm working towards that. That's one of those milestones. Um, what I do is I just force it out of my mind. Um, I did some work with Joe Dispenza's books and, uh, and a lot of meditation and stuff. And Dr. Joe Dispenza is just this fascinating guy that talks about image fMRIs and, and how we actually form neurons. They like video forming of neurons over time. It's amazing. Um, and, but one of his, his, like the point of the book, the title of the book is, uh, okay, it's probably not actually this. It's like getting uh, over yourself or getting over being yourself, getting beyond being you. You can search that and you'll find it. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it is, but it's basically like get over yourself. Um, and, and one of the, the points in there is that, uh, you know, controlling your mind, like consciously controlling your mind and your mindset. And he talks about how you can only think about one thing at a time, right? Which I said that to one of my you know, intellectual friends and he's like, you're a nuclear engineer. Do you really think that's true? I'm like, yeah, I do believe that. I think that if I'm sitting here going, uh, I am so grateful for my beautiful wife. I'm so grateful for these amazing kids that I have or for the command of the submarine and how it went, whatever it is. Yeah, I just pick one thing and I nonstop think that um, to push through the barricade. And it is my perception, it's my experience that if I'm thinking just that, all the other garbage and stuff that, that just doesn't have the ability to get to my mind and it doesn't control my heart or my mindset. So sounds basic, it's not easy. But if you do it, uh, it works. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I'm going to butcher this quote because I can't even remember where I read it, but I read somewhere and I have it flashing on a screen sometimes that I have in front of me here. But it's uh, the most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing. And that's kind yeah. of you know what you're saying here. Um, mm -hmm. uh, thanks for sharing that, Gary. Really appreciate it. And what about um, yeah. if you could go back in time to when you were you know 18? Maybe that's when you were enlisting. But um, you know, yeah. what would you do different? if anything, right, to kind of um, fast track your success. I don't know if that's the right way to ask it, but given where you are now, hindsight's always, you know, 2020 and easy, all that, but what would you do differently? Oh boy, uh, I would believe more in myself. Uh, I stressed out a lot. I, uh, you know, everybody is our own, we, we are each our own biggest critic. And, and so I, was stressed a lot about maybe that's where all this hair went <laughs> about uh, not good enough to uh you know to qualify or to to get the through the naval academy and then to get the nuclear submarine program and then to to qualify as a nuclear officer and then to get command of a submarine and uh and in the end every time you do it people are like man you did such a great job and uh we knew you could and like no one ever there's never a question i'm like well there were plenty of questions so however we can get you know just get more listen to what other people say about you, I think is the first thing. I mean, no, I mean, I guess a lot of people let it go to their heads like pro athletes, but, but I was on the other side. And so if you're a person who is like me, then, then actually take in that, that, um, praise and allow or encouragement and allow it to uh, build you with some energy. Um, that, that is probably the, the biggest thing. Um, there's, there's very little that I, regret doing. Um, I wouldn't have left the military any earlier. I, I wouldn't have gone to another college at the beginning because at that moment, those things were really, really important. And it's why today I've devoted myself to patriotism, to helping families um, create an environment where they can do the same things. I was extremely lucky, just timing wise, just some incredible, I mean, I'm, I'm a very religious guy. I don't think it was actually luck, but if you look at it on the timeline, tremendously lucky numerous times in my life. And and it all comes back to the freedoms and the rule of law and the opportunities that we have in America. So I, I wanna help preserve that. 
um, I wouldn't do a ton different, which I think is, um, you know, it's a very comforting thing to say. Yeah, well, definitely. And obviously with, with you sharing that, right, you're an obvious giver, right? Just by, you know, the stories that you're telling now, also kind of what you've devoted your, your you know, work life yeah. now to, to be, right? Um, I'm curious when you encounter folks that are, you know, maybe like glass half empty versus glass half full, right? Or I haven't been dealt yeah. the right, you know, hand of cards, you know, blame the universe, blame my situation, blame the family, whatever it may be, right? What, what do you, what do you tell them? What's yeah. your, your secret sauce, right? That helps kind of people get out of their own way, like you were saying. Yeah. So none of this stuff is, uh, is new for anybody out there. Uh, but you know, the, there's a great phrase that I love, which is that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so somebody out there in the listening world is going to give me credit for something I'm about to say. And none of this stuff I've created on my own, but it doesn't matter. I was the speaker at the moment that they needed to hear it. Um, but, you know, if you can convince yourself that it is not all about you, that life is not happening to you because of you, um, but yet you are playing a piece in the puzzle and can be, uh, you know, having a fantastic or phenomenal impact, life-changing impact on other people, and you can focus on other people, focus outwardly, then you don't, you don't worry about the bird dropping on your shoulder, you know, all the time. Like you just, you just, it's not a big deal. Like I, I just, you know, I just shared, I lost a bunch of money potentially. And, and it's not about that. It's not about me. Why did the world do this to me? I don't think those questions anymore it is how can, what am I supposed to learn from this? The second thing I would say is um, understand that challenges are put into your life, not because you're a bad person or people don't like you. They're, it's put there so that you can now grow further. Why do bad things happen in, you know, series or in succession? And why did it, does it seemingly happen right after you were, things were just going so well? Like they was going so well, why did this happen, right? Because it's time to grow. Uh, I think it's why the symbol in, in Chinese uh, language of opportunity and challenge are the same thing. Because every challenge, if you see it as an opportunity, those are the people that grow forward. And those that wallow in the challenge are those that don't. There's now you know, that rolling the other direction of the marble down the hill thing, right? So you can just say, it's, it's not about me. It's not, I'm not gonna get all caught up in things are happening to me, right? I, I'm here to help serve others. And if I can serve a bunch of other people, my life will be enriched. Uh, and, then, and then second is uh, see this as an opportunity. I choose to see every challenge as an opportunity and grow from it. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and I guess directly related to that, you know, question that comes to mind, because that makes sense to me when you're telling me, Nathan, and, you know, Gary and Nathan are having this conversation. But um, even if, you know, I, I intellectually understand what you just said, I'm not talking about myself here, but I've encountered people who are like this, right? They would still be like, yeah, I get it, Gary. Thanks for that. Makes sense. Um, you're here to help. You're here to serve. And then they go on about their lives and they don't take action to change it or to improve yeah. it or to better it. How, what do you, how do you deal with that? I guess, what do you tell them around? Like, how do you get somebody to take action to, to change their lives for the better? Well, you show them the evidence that it's a better path to seek. Um, I am not a person who, uh, you know, if you've, if you know me and you've been around me, you're not going to see somebody who's wallowing in, the, wallowing in their own, you know, grief and their own mess. Um, I learn from it and I move on and it's, I've taught myself that, right? And uh, many other people have led me down that path and have convinced me that it's worth doing. I have this mentor that I mentioned before, Kim Butler. She's a wonderful lady, a giant in my industry. And she said 30 years ago, she got some horrible news as she was getting on an airplane about her new business and it was potentially all over for her. 
but she had to get on the airplane to solve it. And it was a four hour ride with no internet at the time. And so she just sat there and stared at this blue seat in front of her and thought about all the amazing things that, that uh, she appreciated about that blue seat for three hours. And when she got to the other side, she had the solution and actually had mainly been solved without her. But, uh, but that taught her. And, and I see her do this every day in her life. And, and I learned from just, just uh, experience and exposure to numerous examples that this stuff works. Uh, and so I, I just don't let it overcome me. And, and you just have to try it and see that it does work. Um, you just you have to go a little bit on faith at the beginning because it's not what seems like common sense at the time. You want to lash out. You want to sue somebody. Um, you want to make it painful with revenge. That stuff is way the wrong direction. Yeah, totally. Well, that's awesome. And I want to be mindful of your time here, Gary, start getting you out of here because we could talk forever. Yeah. So many things, so many interesting things to discuss here. But um, like we like to, um, like we always do, sorry, you know, towards the end of the show is, um, you know, ask for like a book recommendation um, that you would have for the audience. You mentioned a bunch already. I was trying to keep notes here as we were mm -hmm. chatting so we could put them in the show notes. But which book comes to mind if you haven't already mentioned it? Well, I'm going to make the assumption that your audience has has done things like uh, rich dad, poor dad, and and that uh, they which found one is that? The, Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> and they found the richest man in Babylon, and yes. they found Think and Grow Rich, right? Yes. So one that maybe is a little more um, a friend on the fringe. Uh, it's a big haul because it's like 700 pages. Um, yet it is the thesis behind my podcast, Gary's Gulch, G U L C H. And that, that title is a really weird one, but it references back to Galt's Gulch, John Galt, uh, from the book Atlas Shrugged. And it's a book that Ayn Rand put out. Uh, she was from Russia, emigrated to America in the 1950s and 60s. It's one of the few fiction books that she's read or written. Uh, but when you read it, you think that they wrote it about, uh, she wrote it about America in 2023. Um, it, it is about um, losing capitalism to socialism. It's about things crumbling. It's about the producers out there trying to hold on to everything. And so my podcast is to attract individuals to both understand why it's important to hold on to this experiment in America and why it's it's beneficial to be a producer. I'm curious because it's not the second time that I've heard you say this, this experiment in America. Can you say more? Yeah. What do you mean? Sure. So almost 250 years ago, a group of people were meeting secretly in Philadelphia and, and elsewhere, and they were deciding that they were going to sign a Declaration of Independence, which, you know, is a cool document we have to learn in, in grade school. But what it really was, was um, a, it's the, uh, the accession of a, a, a country, the breaking away, secession of a country. And, and so they were basically thumbing their middle finger at the strongest, most powerful person on the planet, who was King, King George at the time, right? And so they were likely signing their death wish. In fact, there were conversations and it's in the writings about, you know, we likely are signing our own death wish here. So it was incredibly, incredibly um, courageous. And that experiment was the first of its time, kind. And basically it was that people are born with inalienable rights, right? They're, they're not rights given to them by the king. Um, they're rights that God gave them and you can't take them away. And then we need that and we need uh, a government that serves the people, not a government where the people serve them by paying them taxes and giving them nice houses. Um, and then the, the last thing is that there's a rule of law there that when you make something, you get to keep it. 
And that experiment, there's a lot of elements of that thing that's falling apart. And the real problem with that is not just for our wonderful families here in America, but the entire world is going to go down if capitalism goes down in America. It is the shining light for other countries to emulate. So I think we're challenged. And so as I was, you know, reaching close to 30 years in the Navy, I was looking around and uh, I, had, I had served for three decades to protect America from forces outside America, to protect this experiment from forces outside. Um, and I realized that the, the real threat is from inside. And as, I, as I've read more about the challenges America has had over the years with things like socialism and McCarthyism in, in that era, uh, it, this is not new. This happened in the 1800s a few times, the 1900s. Like we constantly are at risk of losing this experiment. So it's just a question of how long is it going to go? Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, like I said, I am going to try to get you out of here. So I'm going to stop <laughs> asking all my questions here. I got two more for you, then we're done. What uh, do you have like a software app tool recommendation that you kind of use on a daily basis to help you manage all of the many, many things that you do in your life that help you, you know, reach success? Um, nothing original. I well, one that is original is that I have some some proprietary software that um, actually my friend Todd Langford and his wife um, Kim Butler that we've already mentioned they created. It's financial software that I use for clients. Clients could go buy it. It's called Truth Concepts. Uh, it allows you to integrate alternative investments, market investments, real estate, your financial side, uh, and so it, it's powerful. From that, it's uh, I you know, do it for free for my clients. So that, that one is other than that, I mean, as far as efficiency and managing the day, um, I'm a little old school. And so, um, I use email and if the email inbox is empty, that means I've met the commitments to my clients. Um, and the calendar, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't get done. If it is on the calendar, I better do it. <laughs> so that I'm driven by the calendar. Sounds a little lame, but, yep. um, you know, I do the same, so I can't say it's lame. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Gary, last question, then I'll let you go. How can our audience help you? How can our audience reach out if you so want? You mentioned um, a few things already, including your, your podcast, but make sure to plug yeah. everything you want here uh, before we wrap this up. Absolutely. So the easiest way is GaryPinkerton.com or my email of Gary at GaryPinkerton.com. And in there, you'll find the, the podcast, you'll find, um, you know, a lot of other things and uh, contact information. You can find that book um, that I mentioned about from Patrick Donahoe about heads I win, tails you lose. I can get you a copy of that. And so really, Gary, you know, how they can help me is give me feedback on Gary's goals. Tell me what's good, what's not good, what episodes I should be um, you're bringing to the audience. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Gary, it's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, and with that, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much. As we, as always, everything will be in the show notes. People will reach out to you. Gary, thank you so much. Awesome. I appreciate it. It was an honor. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.